You know, I really hate when people say, this guy needs no introduction, and then they go on and on and on. Today's guest needs no introduction. Bill O'Reilly. Mr. Bill O'Reilly. How are you, sir? Where? Where? Where is he? I want to get that guy. I uh, I, w- I want to start here. I want to say that um, shockingly, you have this reputation of being uh, of uh, difficult to work with, and I have to tell you, <laughs> I've I never saw that. And you and I mean this sincerely, Bill. You were the nicest guy to me in all of television the entire time. You didn't hide any agenda. You were plain spoken. You you listened to me to try to understand what I was trying to accomplish. Um, you gave me great advice along the way. And and I really respect you, really respect you. Well, thank you, Beck. I appreciate that. Um, the reason I have that reputation is a very interesting story. Yeah. And, it, and it, it applies to what we're seeing now in America with the corporate media. I never had any problems with guys like you or my peers or anything like that, um, because you do what you do. And if I think that you are um, an honest person and I do in your case, why would I treat you poorly? I mean, there's no reason. My problem was with people who were corrupting the communications process, Mm -hmm. the suits who were trying to tell me what to say, Mm -hmm. who were killing stories that I might have done that were honest for agendas all day long. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what's happening in America. I mean, you saw what happened to the New York Post breaking the Hunter Biden email story. Well, NBC News, they gave it less than a minute. ABC News didn't cover it on Good Morning America. CBS News didn't cover it in three hours on the CBS Morning Show. CNN didn't cover it in five hours in prime time, and neither did NBC. Why? Because they were told not to. So when somebody would tell me that, I'd say, no, I'm going to do the honest thing. And therefore, I was difficult. So and how would you how treat how would you treat that story? Because I talked to the editor of the New York Post today on air. Um, they've done their due diligence as much as anyone can. They say that they have um, their their easiest defense is everything that's on there. A lot of it is personal and it, it could only have been his. But still, somebody could have done an elaborate ruse how do you, how would you handle this today when you don't know the chain of command on that that laptop? Exactly how I did handle it. So I've been reporting on this all day, and I said, "Here are the holes in the story. Why would any human being bring in a laptop for uh, an upgrade or a repair with a hard drive full of stuff that shows you smoking crack? Right. <laughs> Who would do that? Yeah. Right. Who? Well, right. I mean, then, uh, Hunter then, Biden did turn a car wait, wait, in. Wait, with, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. But then you don't pick it up. Right. You leave it there. Right. Okay. Who, who would do that? That's mm-hmm. number one. Now, I don't know the answer. I just think that's kind of strange. Mm-hmm. The other thing is the guy who got it in Delaware, Mr. Isaac, all right, hung on to this thing 
for almost a year. And then he says he called the FBI and they didn't do anything. They came and looked at it. Uh, he looked at it. Um, you know, he copied the hard drive, which he shouldn't have done. Um, and then he gave it to Rudy Giuliani's lawyer. All of that could have happened. <laughs> Maybe it did. <laughs> but I think you got to be a little skeptical about how the material did get to the Trump campaign. Now, the material itself, I think, is legitimate. But some of the wording in the emails a little contrived, you know, a little contrived. Um, so I say, if I were the editor of the Post, I definitely would have reported the story. No. And I would have said, here's how we got it. And this is what it says. Which they did. I definitely would have done. Which I wouldn't have did. put the pictures of the of the crack stuff in there. I wouldn't have done that, right? But I would have put the other stuff in. And then I would have asked the Biden campaign, hey, did you ever meet with the guy? Or is this a fabricated story? Give them a chance. Mm -hmm. So that's how you cover it. So, Bill, there are some, and I know you don't specula uh, speculate, but I do. I try to I try to tie things together and see um, and answer some of those questions saying out front, A, I'm not a journalist, and B, this is my speculation. I don't know if this is true, but it does make sense if, I don't know if you know, the, um, the guy who's providing Senate testimony from the Ukraine, very, very credible. He was the go-to guy for the Obama administration over in Ukraine. He testified, um, and last week, uh, he went in hiding because after his testimony, all of a sudden the State Department canceled his visa here in the United States, and he took that as a hostile sign. He's he called me last week in hiding, and he's terrified of what's going to happen because of some information that is looks like it's going to come out, hopefully soon, that he gave to the Senate. Uh, so the Democrats have it, and uh, he believes that his life is in danger. If you're dealing with this kind of Jason Bourne kind of world, this is if somebody got that laptop in some way or another, either stole it or found it as an operative, that's the kind of thing that you would do if you were afraid of being nabbed for one reason or another. You would turn it into somebody that you thought mm, this person has a circle of friends that might say, hey, you should turn that into the Trump administration and turn that into the FBI. You could see that happening in a world of spooks. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I tell my audience, I believe that Joe Biden is a corrupt man. All right. That he used his position as vice president yep. to enrich his family. I, I, I think there's no doubt about it. I mean, the evidence is overwhelming. That's overwhelming. what he did. Right. So U.S. Grant did that. All right. And U.S. Grant paid a horrible price for it as his right. brother ran around. And, I, and I, I, I'm sure you know this, Beck, because mm -hmm. you were an ace history student. His brother ran around doing all kinds of uh, shady deals. So Biden did it. He did it. And Hunter got tens of millions of dollars from Ukraine, from Russia, from China, because his father was vice president. I have no, no doubt in my mind. But in this country right now, the hatred for Donald Trump overrides that in the minds of millions of viewers. They're saying, well, you know, we, we rather have the senile corrupt guy than Trump. 
I mean, really, that's what it comes that's, down that's to. That's insanity. It's insanity. But that's where we are. No, I know that's that. That's where we are. I know. I mean, and, the New York Times and the Washington Post know Biden's corrupt. Yes. They know his mental acuity is questionable. Mm-hmm. They know it. But they hate Trump so much, they don't care. It's, it's amazing to me because they even held Hillary's ankles to the fire a little bit. Um, they didn't they didn't love her. A lot of people didn't like her in the media. So they held her kind of accountable, not really, but kind of accountable um, here. Nobody is. Nobody is. The hatred for Trump has risen tenfold since 2016. Do you think All this right? would be any tenfold. different? Do you think this would be any different um if uh, mike pence was the candidate i don't think it would uh i don't think they'd hate pence as personally and as viscerally as they hate trump right but, would, but they wouldn't I, they wouldn't be digging into the corruption of joe biden do you think well no uh, look right. the left is the left they, they don't like america they want to redo the Constitution. They want to take some of our freedoms like the Second Amendment and the First Amendment and change them. And they want to destroy capitalism and replace it with a big centralized government in Washington that controls the economy. So if Pence is standing in the way of that, Mm -hmm. they're going to try to get Pence. But I'm talking about the folks. So I have liberal friends and I say to them, do you not understand that when you vote for Biden, you're voting against your own self-interest because the far left that controls him is going to then, if they win the Senate, put in legislation that's going to gut your wealth. They're going to come in and they're going to try to take as much as humanly possible from you and your family. Do you not understand that? And I, what I get is nothing they don't reply to that because it's true, but they hate Trump so much. I guess they're willing to give up their couch. Hi, I'm Glenn Beck. You may not recognize me if it wasn't for all this luxurious hair. Um, I, my, my dad is bald and I freaked out starting at about six. This is a true story. I was an absolute toehead and my dad used to cut my hair with, uh, you know, with the buzz and so I had very, very short hair. And my mother used to always tell this story that we were walking in uh, the zoo. I can't remember the name of the zoo in Seattle. And this old lady, <laughs> my mom was sitting on a bench with my sisters. My dad and I were just walking past. We were going to another exhibit and they were tired. And this old lady sitting next uh, to my mom said, that poor family, it must be some sort of disease. The child's bald, just like the father. Uh, <laughs> And ever, ever since then, I worried about losing my hair. If you have ever worried about losing your hair, I get it. Here's what you need to do. Go to keeps.com slash save. You're going to get 50% off your first order of Keeps hair loss treatment. It's the same stuff that you're going to get anywhere else. It is generic, so you're going to save a lot of money there. Plus, you don't have to go to the doctor. You just take a couple of pictures of your, your hair. They you know, diagnose uh, over online, and then they write a prescription 
you don't even have to go to the pharmacy to pick it up. They send it to you. You'll save 50% off your first order of Keeps hair loss treatments. Keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash save. Bill, let me let me say this, because I think there is a difference between the regular Democrat and maybe there isn't anymore. The voter Democrat, the, the person who has voted Democrat their whole life um, and they just don't they don't believe in any of the, you know, the BLM, uh, the real BLM stuff. But they might have even thought about going to march with Black Lives Matter because, you know, they've always been there. They believe in Martin Luther King, etc. All the things that the Democratic Party can no longer tolerate that voter still exists. A, is that correct? Or do you think that voter no longer exists? I think the voter exists to a much lesser extent than it did 25 years ago. And here's the reason. This. Okay, so what you have now, and on both sides, not just Democrat, liberal, but conservative, um, Republican. You have a life that's being lived on this, all right? That's why Facebook and Twitter and all of these things become so important, because the information flow into the voter is not unimpeded. You, it, it's, this is the way the totalitarian regimes are formed. Mm-hmm. They're only getting selected information. All right. So the left wing uh, Democrat doesn't know about the wealth tax, doesn't know about the cancel culture that could be institutionalized. That means that if you say something that is offensive to your boss or coworkers, you can get fired immediately. You don't think think that they know about the cancel culture? They know about the cancel culture in a social sense, but not in a workplace sense. All right. They still think they have freedom of speech and say, I don't like Black Lives Matter. I don't think that a Marxist organization should be supported by most Americans. You're fired. What? You can't do that. I have a right to my opinion. That is soon going to disappear by legislation. Right. It's going to say something to the effect that if you are deemed a threat in the workplace, they, you can be dismissed on the spot with no compensation. What's a threat? Well, that's defined by the workplace. You're hearing it. You see it in colleges. I don't feel safe. I, I don't feel safe to have Glenn Beck come and give a speech. I don't feel safe if Bill O'Reilly drives his car through the campus. I'm not safe. They're going to institutionalize this stuff, all right, and make it laws about this stuff. That's what they want to do. So that, you know, if you object to gay marriage, uh, uh-uh, no way. You're a human rights violator. So all the so- Catholics in the Catholic Church and the clergy that says marriage between a man and a woman, they could be criminals. If you carry this the way as far as they want to carry it. So, Bill, when you're looking at what's happening, we, you know, with Twitter uh, this week and Facebook shutting down the oldest continuous running newspaper in the United States of America. The Post was started by Alexander Hamilton. 
it's not like a right. fly-by-night website. This is the New York Post. So we have the, uh, Twitter and Facebook uh, and Google moving people away, tr- saying this is discrediting. You can't retweet it. You can't go to the website from the uh, from the the tweet or the Facebook post. When you have when you have that the same way, the same week that Merriam-Webster's dictionary changed the meaning of uh, not consensual relationship, but uh, what? Yeah, a preference that your sexual preference is now a negative because of Amy Coney Barrett saying, I'm not against people's sexual preference. The Democrats start dogpiling within the same day. The dictionary is changed <laughs> on the Internet. Yeah, no, you, you Miriam's dictionary, Miriam's yeah, Miriam Webster's dictionary on the Internet. Right. Because right. They couldn't do it fast enough. In correct. Print. Correct. Correct. So, you just made my point for me so that the far left wants to outlaw speech they don't like. That's what it comes down to. All right. They want to take your private property under the guise of taxation. That's the wealth tax. They want to outlaw free speech under the guise of you're threatening. What you're saying is threatening. All right. They want to take the Second Amendment and say, you don't have a right to have any firearm to protect yourself on any circumstance, because if you look at the Constitution, it says, only the militia can have them. That's that. That's the argument they're they're mm-hmm. going to try to make. So if Biden and and Harris take over and the Senate goes to the Democrats, they'll immediately put five or six new liberal justices on the court, the stacking the court thing. Okay, and those judges will do exactly what we're talking about. And they'll also that's exactly what they'll do. They'll also add new states, which will ensure that no Republican has is ever elected. Uh, yeah, like again. in California. Yeah. Like in California. Um, so California's one party state. There you go. So I have heard people say, yeah, you know, Joe Biden is going to be president and Joe Biden's not going to be crazy. He's not going to be doing all this stuff. He's just using the left right now. I believe Joe Biden is a Trojan horse for the left. I believe the left is using him. Not the other way around. Your thoughts? I don't think Joe Biden knows where he is. He didn't know he was in Ohio the other day. Um, I, I And I'm not saying this with any rancor at all. I've known Biden for a long time. He's not a bad guy in person. I don't think he knows what the deuce is going on back. And I think he'll do what he's told. So the Obama campaign is running the Biden campaign. David Axelrod and the boys are telling him what to do and say. He's absolutely carrying out their orders. They go, Mr. Vice President, I think you're going to be in your basement today for eight hours. He goes, "Okay, all right. Can I get lunch? Hmm. So that's what you're going to have as president. Meantime, Kamala, hardcore leftist. You know, you saw her in the debate go, we don't need that cash bail thing. (laughs) No, 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 no. And, And she was at one time a pretty responsible prosecutor. But now we don't need to cash bail. Hey, Senator Harris, have you seen what's happened in New York City and your own town in San Francisco lately? Have you taken a walk through the streets with no cash bail? Hmm? Have you, madam? 
What's wrong with you? That should be the opening question to, to Kamala Harris by every journalist. What's wrong with you? You know, one thing I uh, we're not going to have time to talk about with Bill O'Reilly, but I really want to talk about it because doing my research on on him, uh, I learned something I didn't know. He has two, I think, two master's degrees. Uh, I mean, the guy is I mean, one of them is from Harvard, uh, the JF Kennedy School of Government. I mean, this guy is wicked, wicked smart. Um, but you know what? What's crazy? I'm a coworker of his, and I've got one quarter of college. <laughs> Who's the smart guy now? Anyway, um, Ashford University, if you need a degree, if you need education for your job at Ashford, expert faculty teaches you real-world skills from real-world experience in online classes built for your life's twists and turns. You can learn from home or wherever you feel comfortable. You can pursue a degree in one of Ashford's 60 plus programs like business administration, healthcare administration, uh, and psychology. With 24 seven access to your classroom, daily support and financial aid available, Ashford gives you all of the tools that you need to go from thinking about your life and what you'd like to do to actually doing it. Dream big, because Ashford University is there to help you do it. There's no fee to apply, no standardized testing required to enroll. Just go to ashford.edu slash Beck. That's ashford.edu slash Beck. Go there now. Some programs not available in all states. Let me ask you about, you've, you've lived in the New York area. You, you were born and raised in the New York area. Um, Bill, I have a love-hate relationship with New York. Um, they hate me. But they and, hate you. Ben. Yeah, they hate they me. Hate and I love New York. <laughs> I, I w- it's been a dream of mine to always live in New York. I lived there for four years. I absolutely adored it. But I couldn't raise my family in that. And the hatred was just too much. I couldn't walk down the street with my children. Um, but now things have dramatically changed. I just saw a video of um, somebody driving down from St. Patrick's down to the library on Fifth Avenue, and every single store was boarded up. What is the future of New York City? Well, de Blasio's got a year left. He can do a lot of damage in a year. Venezuela, Caracas, parallels New York. And people think I'm crazy when I say that, but I'm not. The social disorder that you see in Venezuela is now in New York. Same social disorder, because the communist de Blasio, and he is a communist, he's not going to deny that, uh, coupled with the far left pipe dreams of Andrew Cuomo, the governor, have basically made the city unlivable. New York City is going to lose a million people in the next 12 months, 1 million is going to go from 8.5 million to 7.5. And almost all of the people that are leaving are big time taxpayers, right? affluent people, property owners. Okay. Because you cannot live there, not only with a family, but if you're an elderly person, no, look, you know, Rick Moranis, the actor, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ghostbusters yeah, yeah. and the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, he's lived on the upper, upper West Side in a very affluent neighborhood for decades. Okay, so he's walking down the street three weeks ago. Guy comes up, punches him in the face. And Moranis hits, hits the ground, and the guy keeps walking. So Moranis 
goes to the hospital, he's got stuff wrong with him, files a criminal complaint. I call the precinct. And then, you know, my grandfather was a cop, cops like me. And I said, what, what the deuce is going on? He goes, the, the sergeant, the desk sergeant goes, we have 10 of those a day here on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. We have 10 a day. People just walking down and get bang. And I said, what happens when you catch this guy? Because they have him on video. He goes, no cash bail out. He's probably got a long rap sheet. Will he get time for hitting Rick Moranis? No. Will he get fined? No, he didn't have any money. Nothing will happen to him. That's anarchy. So anarchy has gripped New York City. So that's the and with Biden and Harris, with Biden and Harris basically wanting to defund the police all over the country. What do you think is going to happen in your town? Well, let me ask you this, Bill. So, so this is this is the other thing that I keep thinking that there will be Democrats that are decent Democrats that are are paying attention and going, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're not condemning this kind of stuff. They're they're releasing people from prison. They are saying no cash bail. And the people who just told us that only the police should have guns in our schools now say the police, we can't trust the police and you won't can't have a gun either to protect yourself at some point. Doesn't the light go on to most Americans going, wait, there is no way for me to be safe. There's no way for my family to be safe. And there's no way to do business in a place like New York that is escape from New York. Yeah, it's like the Snake Plissken movie. But your answer is no, because people live here. They don't live in America anymore. They live here. So if you were to go out today and say, hey, what do you think about Moranis getting punched out? They're going to go, ooh, what? Most people don't know. And they don't personalize things, and they're not thinking about what will happen. Okay, Biden-Harris is elected. All right. That team comes in. What will happen? They don't think about that. What they're thinking about is, do I love Trump or do I hate Trump? All about Trump. And at this point, more people hate Trump than love Trump. I, I don't I think it's close. So he didn't he didn't. But do that's it, what it's about. He didn't do himself any favors in the last debate. Um, and I think it's just because he got mad nobody was holding these people accountable and he just and i would too honestly i mean i would hope i wouldn't do it but i you you reach the end of your rope at some point and go is anyone going to talk about the truth i spoke with the president uh about five days before the debate he called me up and when a president calls me i i take take the the call call. yeah yeah right yeah Barack Obama called me, mm-hmm. Bush the Younger called me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then I answered the question. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you what the conversation was because it was an off the record conversation. But I will tell you that I said, look, you got a big chance here um, on the first debate because Joe Biden is befuddled. Word of the day, befuddled. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They're going to rehearse him. But you yourself have to ask him questions that he's not prepared for. If you do that, he'll melt. Okay. Trump didn't do that. I know. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yes, you're right. 
the Chris Wallace's questions, which ran five to six minutes each, after he, Wallace was finished the question, I went, what was the question again? I know. <laughs> it was so, yeah, no, like, he's worse. He has longer questions than I do. <laughs> I, it was, I, I don't know what the question was. Mm-hmm. But I told him to anticipate that. I said, Mr. Wallace is a very smart man, and he wants you to know it and everybody else. So he's going to ask you a question that runs a long period of time. Do your best to answer the question in 30 seconds, then pivot, look at Joe Biden and say, hey, Joe, this is what I want to know. You going to do anything about all of these demonstrations? You going to do anything about them? About the looting and the burning and the killing? You going to do anything about it, Joe? Because, you know, Chris Wallace not going to ask him that. So what what do you think? uh, Whose fault is it that we didn't have a second debate? COVID, Biden, Trump? Pardon me? Both. Both of them. Both of them. Because, yeah, because Donald Trump didn't articulate, and this is not unusual for him, why he didn't want a virtual debate. I wouldn't have done a virtual debate. All right. And then Biden doesn't want any debates. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want any. Are we going to have a third one? A, are we going to have a, a, it should have been a third, a second he, one. But are we going to have another one? Biden doesn't want it. Right. They don't want it. Why would he? Okay. But they may be forced into it in Tennessee a week from today, okay? They may be forced to show. He doesn't want it. They feel that there are sure. leading and only bad things could happen in a second debate. Sure. Trump desperately needs it. Yes. He needs it. But he's got to control himself because of the women vote. I mean, guys like you and I, we don't care if he interrupts. Right. I mean, so what? He interrupted. Am I offended by that? I interrupt all day long. How right. can I be offended by somebody else interrupting? <laughs> right. right. But the women, and I'm generalizing now, and I know I'm a misogynist, they go, oh, that's pretty rude. You know, I, and I know I don't want to be. Well, I thought that it was, I thought his interrupting, I thought his interrupting was, well, it got to a point to where you couldn't hear either of them. So it, it became, I, I threw yeah. up my hands. I'm like, this is, right. this is worthless. I don't know what either one of them are saying. That's true. And, and Donald Trump lives in a world where Donald Trump's going to do what he wants. Mm-hmm. So, and, and if you read the United States of Trump, I lay it out. His whole life, he's done what he wants. One guy in his life that controlled him, and that was his father, Fred. No one else. He, d- he does what he wants. And, and you, you hit it right on the head. He so, got angry. Bill, there's, there is, I, if I were him... And I didn't believe in the deep state. I thought that was star chamber kind of stuff, you know, in 2016. I mean, I thought there were bad people and and people that, you know, had worked in the State Department. I thought the State Department was kind of a deep state. They're going to do whatever they want to do. But I didn't think it was as deep as it is. Um, If you didn't believe it in 2016, fine. If you don't believe it now, you haven't been paying attention at all. I don't think he knows who to trust. I wouldn't trust anyone in 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 any department in that white house can one man actually put a pitchfork in the monster of deep state 
No, because you have too many employees that are there for life. I mean, the problem with the FBI is that it's politicized, and we obviously see that. They participated in trying to bring down Trump campaign, and then after he was elected to Trump presidency. But you, you've told me for— The FBI tried to do that. You told me for a long time you trust Bill Barr. Everybody I know says trust Bill Barr, but Bill Barr's not moving. Is he— Is he a part of the problem or is he just building a solid case and he doesn't care about politics or or what's happening with Bill Barr? I said today on my program that Bill Barr should have a press conference tomorrow and give us an update on where he is. Is that unreasonable? No. You don't have to accuse anybody. You don't have to bring in evidence. Just tell the nation where we are. What's taking so long when we can expect some kind of clarification of what the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, what they all did to try to derail the Trump presidency. When were we going to get that? When Trump's in Mar-a-Lago three years from now? Because Bill Barr is not going to be in that job. As soon as Trump loses, Bill Barr's in the help wanted. He's out of there. Okay? So right now, he owes it, Mr. Barr, owes it, to the American people to bring us up to date on where this Durham report is. Now, why he hasn't done that, I don't know. I don't know. I think he's an honest man, Barr. I do. But I don't know why he hasn't brought us up to date. Um, Quickly, because I found the hearing so boring. Any thoughts on Amy Coney Barrett? I couldn't even use a soundbite in three days. Right. I had no soundbites. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, unless if you were looking for something I, salacious, nothing. But yeah, if you were we looking for. We investigated her. What'd you say? We investigated. We investigated her separately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I which I now do on almost every big story because you obviously can't. You trust. can't trust anything. No, you got to do it all. So here here's the profile on Judge Barrett. Honest woman. Cross the board. All right. Never been a time where she has been accused of even any kind Mm -hmm. of dishonest. Mm -hmm. Intelligent woman, Mm -hmm. no doubt. All right. You read the things that she's filed Mm -hmm. in her adulthood. Brilliant. Some of them are brilliant. Mm -hmm. Okay. Responsible woman. Mm -hmm. Asked Notre Dame. Law professor. Upheld all her duties. Mm -hmm. Compassionate woman. Yeah. Look at her children. Adopts two children from Haiti. Yeah. Right. Got seven kids and she's a law professor. I'd say that's compassionate. Mm -hmm. So we got honest. We got brilliant. We've got compassionate. So what else you want? What else? So why is Amy Klobuchar trying to make her look like uh, somebody who is deficient? Why? Because Amy Klobuchar worships at the altar of reproductive rights. That's her whole world. But there's That's no it. way they're going no, no. to overturn Roe versus Wade. This is not going to happen. No, but they want to punish her. She, Amy Klobuchar wants to punish Judge Barrett because Judge Barrett respects life. And Amy Klobuchar doesn't. So Amy Klobuchar has to diminish Judge Barrett in her own mind mm-hmm. to justify her position. I'm not a psychiatrist, but it's right. pretty obvious. So um, do you believe that this election has a good chance of being decided in the courts because of all of the mail-in voting and everything else i know there's going to be problems 
But I think that the uh, there's so much emotion that one man or the other is going to emerge with a plurality. But I don't know which one it's going to be. And do you believe there's anything to the idea that Donald Trump would say, oh, damn you all to hell, I'm not leaving? <laughs> so <laughs> when the Marines come in right. and carry him out. Yeah, so I mean, that's. I, I think he I think if he I think if he loses, he's going to leave and start his own television network and say, I'll just. Right. I mean, why would you stay? Yeah. Why would you go to prison and stay? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. He's not going to listen. He's not irrational. He's not an irrational man. If he loses, he's going to yell and scream for two months. And then he's going to leave and, as you said, might start a media company. He's certainly not going to get down to Dallas and paint like Bush the Younger. Yeah. That's not going to happen. No, no, because no. He's an attention junkie. Yeah. Trump's right. an attention junkie. He needs attention. So um, he might buy uh, the L.A. Lakers and fire LeBron. Right. But he's going to do some something big. And then the New York authorities are going to try to make his life a living hell. That will absolutely happen. So he may pardon himself before he leaves. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so he doesn't have to go through all that. That is that is and, that, to uh, me. That's amazing. We become a banana republic. I mean, Mike Lee said to me one time, I said, why are we not prosecuted? I think we should have prosecuted Nixon. And he said, Glenn, that's what banana republics do. And he said, once you do it to one side, the next side is going to be so angry. They'll do it to the next side. He said, you got to walk away. You got to walk away. I I've never been comfortable with that. But I think he is right about a banana republic. You do that to Trump. Well, you're never going to get power again as a conservative. But if you ever did get power again, you'd go right after Hillary. That's why he, that's why Trump didn't put Hillary in jail. Part of it. Um, there is no appetite um, for the power brokers to humiliate people who uh, run for office. Right. There isn't. Because they all say that could happen to me. Nobody's perfect. But the state of New York is so out of control, they'll go after Trump. Is there a chance that Cuomo would take the attorney general spot? Maybe. Cuomo loves power, loves power. How? If he's attorney general, he could he could do a lot of damage. He could he could get a lot of people. If, if he's attorney general, if you take just the deaths from New York state alone out of the mix, your number of 200,000 goes bare minimum to 170 could go as low as 130. Um, how, how does how is he how did he have the uh, reputation that he, you know, and the documents to prove what he did to the nursing home and. All those people die and nobody seems to care. Is it the phone again? You going to hold up the phone again? No, no, it's a whole different thing. So I do a uh, show on WABC radio. Yeah. And I, I address this very issue today, tonight. I'm on at 10 o'clock at night and I've taped it. So Andrew Cuomo knows he can say whatever he wants to say because there's nobody in the New York press that's going to make him look bad. Now, the New York Post doesn't like them, all right? But, you know, but the New York Times, all the network, local newscasts, they're, they're, they're never going up against him.
ever in a million years. So you say what he wants. It's like Biden. Biden in the debate goes, oh, um, uh, all of the accusations against my son Hunter have been discredited. No, they haven't. What? Yeah. Right. Everybody's going, no, that's right. Now, right then and there, Chris Wallace just said, time out. We're going to take a little uh, a pause and I'm going to ask the president, uh, the vice president. That's not true. Uh, how can you say that? <laughs> you know, but it, that never happens. That never happens. Why doesn't it? I would do it. Yeah. But I'd never get in a position of moderating a debate ever. Even when I was at Fox News, they wouldn't let me to moderate a debate. They laughed when I said, look, let me moderate the debate. We'll get something out of it. Everybody was ho, 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 ho. <laughs> it was, you know, so that's but, just the way it is. That's a system. Bill, let me ask you this, because I remember. Well, let me, let me ask you two things. I remember the first words uh, you ever said to me. Do you recall? Sure, you don't. I didn't even know who you were, Beck. So, I, oh, that's not took me a you liar. You, uh, you said to me, <laughs> "I was I was at your teeny little desk. It looks so big on TV, but it's a teeny little desk. You are how six five? Yeah, right. Uh, we had never met before, and I was leaning in on the desk, and you came in and you said, Beck. And then you sat down and you didn't say anything. You don't like to talk to people before you go on the air. And I was leaning in and you just said to me, you're in my shot. And I was like, oh, dear God, I pissed him off before we even get on the air. And right before we went on the air, I grabbed your hands. I don't know if you remember this, but they said five, four. And I reached over, grabbed your hands and I said, please don't kill me. (laughs) <laughs> i remember that yeah but your giant head was blocking the shot <laughs> so that what we did we'd see this back of his head and i had yeah. to get you moved out of there yeah but the other thing i wanted to share is um i was on your show and you and i have always had a great back and forth where we can just blast each other and we know the other one is doesn't mean anything about it except for fun um but you said to me i was on your show and it was like my 19th uh, bestseller. And you said, Beck, you're writing all these books. And I said, Bill, you want something that lasts and a nice source of income. Uh, you should write books. And you were teasing me on it. Now you have 17 million books in print. You have your your latest uh, book, which is Killing Crazy Horse, which is uh, Crazy Horse is one of my favorite people in in American history. Um, You haven't sent me the book because you make me pay for them. Uh, But tell me about Killing Crazy Horse. We sent you three copies, Beck. Three. Did you really? Two signed, and you can put them on eBay. Yeah, your producers are stealing them. Oh, my gosh, they are, because I never got a copy of it. Come on. All right. Uh, you got to read Killing Crazy Horse. I love it. It sold 300,000 copies in the first four weeks. Mm. It's um, a very, and, and when you read it, I want to come back and talk to you because it's a fair book. I wanted to be fair. Well, I like Crazy propagandistic. Horse. So do I. He was a yeah. brilliant yeah. military commander. Right. He was not the chief right. of the Ogala Sioux. Mm-hmm. Most people think he was the chief. No. He wasn't. Sitting mm-hmm. bull. Right. It was a chief. Right. And Sitting Bull never fought in a war. Mm-hmm. Never. 
It's like Dwight Eisenhower and killing Patton. Right. Eisenhower is a supreme commander, never fought in a battle. Right. So Crazy Horse was basically a guy who was a military genius, and the U.S. Army couldn't defeat him. So they sent Crazy George Custer out, a hero mm-hmm. at Gettysburg, to get him. And Crazy Horse relished the fight. Mm-hmm. All right. He wanted to go up against Custer. Now, the reason that Crazy Horse is fighting in the first place is because U.S. Grant went back on the treaty. Yeah. Originally, the Sioux were given the Black Hills right. in South Dakota. But as soon as gold was discovered mm-hmm. in an exposition that Custer was involved in, U.S. government said, well, I don't think we like that treaty. Right. And the Sioux said, you know, wait a minute. Right. So... But Crazy Horse was so successful, and we chronicle his military successes so in did the you, book. Did you start with his his childhood? Because I'm fascinated by his childhood. You know, he was um, he got the name Crazy Horse. Crazy Horse was actually his father's name. He bequeathed it to him after an event. Um, as a child, he was out in the woods with two of his friends. The, the people were starving in his in his tribe. Uh, you know, the buffalo were becoming more and more scarce. He they captured a deer and they had it by the neck on a rope and they tied it to a tree as they sat down and at and ate some food and they were going to bring the deer back. But the deer was fighting so hard and it bothered him so much that he got up without his friends knowing it and he cut the deer loose. And that was his first framing of. No, nothing should be captive, uh, which he thought reservations, people were being held captive. And the other part is when they did go on a big hunt for Buffalo, his father got one and his and crazy horse ran home and he told everyone, everyone eats tonight. My dad got a Buffalo. And when he did that, he made everybody basically a promise that his father honored his father and mother and their buffalo was gone in one night that's the night he said you have a a very important responsibility you care about people you feed people you want people to be free gave him the name crazy horse and the the idea that this this little spiritual kid that was so kind turns into one of the greatest warriors is fascinating to me because if you're if you're on Custer's side, you think he's bloodthirsty, and he's not. Well, we didn't get into that micro analysis of Crazy Horse <laughs> because we had to concentrate on right. on the war. Sure, sure. But we do give some bio about him mm-hmm. and how he worked his way up to the Minister of War of the Agala Sioux. But here's something interesting. We didn't research Crazy Horse from the white man's point of view. Yes. Because, number one, there were no white men left Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. after Custer's last stand. We researched it from the oral history of the Sioux. Excellent. So all the stories about Crazy Horse were passed down by mouth until maybe 30 years later when they incorporated more into society and began to write down. Some Native Americans began to write down their history. How we accurate took do you, the entire battle. How, how well, accurate I'll do you think you that what, was? I, you're not going to get a more vivid no, I, no, 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 I know that. But like, like the Torah, 
people memorize the words. And so it's very the oral history is very accurate. How accurate do you think this was for guys? That's all they did. There were guys. That's all they did. All right. All right. All they did Mm -hmm. was pass down the oral history, the history. Right. That's it. Okay. All right. So you got to assume that they were pretty good. good, That's all they did. Sure. And anyway, we put you on that battlefield, the South Montana Bighorn battlefield, and you're standing there next to Custer. From the Indian point of view, I don't think this ever been done. Okay, so it's harrowing. But here, here is the kicker on it. Crazy Horse ordered his warriors not to touch Custer's body because he respected mm-hmm. Custer as the leader and a brave man. Mm-hmm. So every other body was defiled because that's what the Native Americans did. Mm-hmm. All right, And not just Except the white Custer. men, but anyone they fought long before white yeah, men came. There were Indian scouts. Right. Yeah, there were Indian scouts working for Custer. Right. Okay. And there were two journalists. Now, I was hoping they were New York Times journalists, but they weren't. <laughs> they were Dakota journalists. That's a joke. No malice. Bill O'Reilly, he anyway, just hates people. Uh, if you read Killing Crazy Horse, you get a totally different view of the Native American side. Um, and, and that's the beauty of these books. That's why they've sold more than 17 million copies. Yeah, I will tell you, Bill, that I, um, I, I love your books because you're, you're a great storyteller and you've got good uh, research behind it. Your partner. What's his name? The research Martin guy. Dugard. Yeah, he's 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 really buttoned up. Um, and I, if we don't start telling our history accurately and um, telling it in in not a utopian sort of way that oh the white man was always good, um, uh, we we lose everything. So I appreciate what you're doing. Can you just tell me the the end? Because I Crazy Horse went unarmed to go visit. It wasn't Sitting Bull, was it? Uh, one of the other no, chiefs. Sitting Bull. Yeah, Sitting Bull left for Canada. Okay. And Crazy Horse still wanted to fight it out. Sitting Bull knew they weren't going to beat the U.S. Army. There were too many of them. And the railroad was then established. They'd get cannon in there fast. So Sitting Bull said, I'm taking the women and children. I'm going north into Canada where it's safe. Crazy Horse stayed to fight it out. But then they ran out of food and ammo, and Crazy Horse gave up. And he walked into the white man fort and somehow got killed. Like, and was it, wasn't he shot in the back? He was sh- wasn't he shot in the back on his way yeah, in or out a- of a jail? And you know why all that happened? Because it was fake news back then, Beck. And the news organizations, the newspapers demonized the Native Americans yeah. to the extent that if you killed them, you were justified, even if they weren't doing anything, even yeah. if they were babies and women. If you killed a Native American, that was OK. That's what the big East Coast newspapers were doing. Right, right. There was a little faction in New England that objected. But the fake news never giving the Native American side led to an enormous amount of violence against Indians. Yeah. Bill, always great to talk to you. Thank you so much for your friendship and thank you for much, uh, so much for uh, um, standing, uh, standing true when so many people are afraid to actually speak the truth. Thank you for doing it. I appreciate you having me on, Beck.
All we'll right. talk again soon, I you hope. Bet. You bet. Just a reminder, I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people. 